0: Amen. Are we ready for God's word this morning? I'm excited. I'm looking forward. It's our pleasure this morning to have Denise and Emma, no strangers to us. They're part of the family uh, with us. Let's just welcome, first of all, both of them, appreciate them. And then I'm going to pray for Denise as she brings God's word to us. Good to have you with us, Denise. Bless you. Father, thank you. Thank you for times like these. Thank you for equipping. We are one church. Different congregations all across, and Lord, prepare us for what lies ahead. Use Denise this morning to speak into us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Denise. Thanks,
1: Hello. It feels like a really long time since our last here. I'm not sure; probably just a year ago, but it feels a lot longer. Hey, isn't it good to be out of COVID? Oh, I thought you'd be more excited than that, actually far more excited we're on the other side that's all i'm saying uh it's just good to be back and it's good to always see you a year on and i'll tell you why it's good to see you a year on is because i always notice changes i always notice growth i noticed growth in your band in the, over the past year uh especially worship leader i've noticed changes of confidence and uh do you want thank you and uh, that's really special in the house. And also engagement in worship. You know, there's nothing greater than worship. In, the, in fact, if we don't engage with worship, we are poorer for it. And so I just want to encourage you, engage in worship. Be free in worship in the house of God. Now, I just want to just introduce what I'm going to say this morning. Based on uh, me as a child... Um, when we were young we used to sing this song and I think you'll all agree it's a, quite a strange song and it went like uh, this it says you put your left arm out you, you, do you know this? you do? ok you can do it with me you put your left arm out in are you, you know I've noticed another thing in the last year that you're getting really cocky you are really confident aren't you okay let's do it right Okay, you put your left arm how can you put your left arm in if it's already in (laughs) (laughs) that's what I came for that is exactly what I came for Lyra what a hero Okay, let's do it together. You put your left arm in. You know, uh, can I just suggest something? You were more passionate about the hokey-cokey than you were in worship. So there's something to learn there, but that was fun. I, you'd never believe this, but that uh, song, actually, a children's song, it was derived from a magician's incantation, Hocus Pocus. Hey, can you imagine that? That we we're all teaching our children an incantation? That would be great, wouldn't it? But I want to you to you this morning about hokey, hokey hokey Christianity. You know that kind of Christianity that's in, out, in, out? shaking it all about. And uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 14. So you can turn to that. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And this is how it reads. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law argued with them. As soon as all people saw Jesus, they, ran, they, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech, but whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, it foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. He said, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has this happened? He said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into a fire or even water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is impo- is possible for those who believe. Immediately, the boy, father, exclaimed, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. You know, the dominant theme of this whole passage is, is belief and unbelief. His disciples didn't have enough belief. And then he came along, Jesus came along, and then they was like, I believe you can, but help me with my unbelief. It was like an in-out, in-out, shake-it-all-about kind of faith. The disciples lack faith, the man asked, he he stepped in, but he says these words, if you can, Jesus said, if you can. What do you mean, if you can? You know, I have a lot of sympathy for this man, actually, because it reminds me of myself. You know, it expresses that faith that we all have and we all want an increasing measure of. And then it expresses our feelings on issues. You know, how many times do we believe in theory and believe with all our heart to the capacity that we understand. But then when something strikes our life, pain comes, controversy, adversity comes. We are like, Jesus, you know, I believe, you know, I believe in you you know i believe who you are but help me overcome my unbelief in this situation that i find myself and i think everyone would agree that we're all in the same boat you know hokey cokey christianity is like jesus i believe you can if you can i believe that you will but i'm not sure that you will I believe God loves me, but I'm not sure actually that he can love me as he does others. It's that I believe, but I'm not sure. I believe he can, but I'm not sure he will. It's that kind of thing where we're in, out, in, out, shaking it all about. And what I want to speak to you this morning is about three things that will help us to realize really what you believe really does matter. What you think in your quietest times really does matter. What you think in this room right now really does matter. What you think to yourself when nobody else is around really does matter because all these things are shaping your Christianity, your journey in God. And for those who are new Christians in the room, what you think from this point onwards will really matter. We, are, we can't, church, have idle thoughts. We can't entertain things that won't bring about the glory of God. We're so easy to entertain things. So I want to bring these three things and hopefully it will equip you for the next season of your life, but of the life of the church. And the first thing is this, that what we believe influences our outlook. I don't know if you remember, but in school, I'm going back to childhood a lot, but in school, you know, people would, would... on you and say things about you and we would say this as a deflection what you say is what you are now what we don't realize as a child uh, we were just deflecting we were just to try and put a barrier up to pain but actually that line is very true what you say is what you are you see it's not what others are what you say reveals who you are So if we say things that are in doubt, if we say things that are negative, if we say things that are bad about somebody else, all it does is reveal who we are. And uh, so there's some wisdom in that. Keep our mouth shut, hey? At times when we're struggling, it reveals who we are. You don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. You look through your lens, your perceptions, your beliefs, your history. It all colors who you are now and what you say. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? What a question. Who do people, and this is really important because he wants to know what everybody else says about him, not what his disciples think about him. So they replied this, some say John the Baptist, Some say Elijah and others actually, they even say Jeremiah, you're you're just a prophet. But then he turns this conversation, he wants to know what they think, but then he wants to know who they say he is. Because what he's making a definition here is what they say actually is irrelevant. But at least you know. You know what the world is saying about who Jesus is. That's important. You really need to know your times. What people are saying about Jesus now, in this time, post pandemic, because you'll be surprised that they're really interested now. If you think Jesus is to others what he was pre pandemic, you'll miss a trick. You'll not evangelize, you won't witness, because you think they are still opposed, and some are, and always will be. But right now we're in a position where people are wide open to something greater to stop the shaking in their world. So you need to know what people think of Jesus right now. But then he wants to know what they think, because what they think matters in the grand scheme of things. So he says, who do you say I am? I mean, it's critical, Actually, for you as a Christ follower, for those who have uh, just stepped into the arena of being a Christian, your answer to who Jesus is right now really does matter. Your answer to what Jesus can do. You see, in a forum like this, we all are encouraged to believe he can. But the big question is when the rubber hits the road, when you're on your own, when you're back at home with thankless tasks in work, uh, doing all the chores, whatever challenges come your way from people around you, then what do you believe he can do then? Because I know when I'm in church on Sunday, I believe he can heal. And then when I meet someone who's broken to, to all kinds of levels, I sit there thinking, they need Jesus, they're broken, I can't heal them could you it's like i believe but help me with my unbelief and so he asks them this question what do you say and who do you say i am and who you believe in and what you believe in right now will influence your whole life not just the moment it'll influence your choices in your life It will influence how you speak to people. It will influence your theology. It will influence your habits and your values. Who you say Jesus is, what you believe he can do, will change your whole life, I guarantee. Jesus is the one who changes everything. If you look in Luke 12, you don't have to look at it, but remember in Luke 12, verse 16 Jesus told this parable of a man who, it says, believed that his possessions were his be-all and end-all. That's He he was so loaded. I mean, he was minted, and he would revel in his wealth. And it says this, it says, and he thought to himself, he, he was thinking, what shall I do with all of this wealth? And it says he thought to himself, and when we think to ourselves, remember, you are consulting you. You're not consulting anything else. You're not actually even consulting God. You are consulting you. And when you consult you, remember this. You are consulting your value system, your beliefs. You are consulting what you believe about Jesus. So everything that's stored in your heart right now, when you think to yourself and make a decision, it's coming. The answer is coming from the abundance of what is in you. I know sometimes we make some decisions and then we blame everybody else when it's gone wrong. Actually, no, we consulted ourselves and we're the only ones to blame for that decision. So this man, he consulted himself and he he thought to himself, this was his conclusion to himself. Then he said to himself, this is what I'm going to do with my wealth. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. You know, your beliefs shape the interpretation of your own existence. Because for this man, he didn't know, but that night his life was took and all that he had and all that his wealth had no meaning whatsoever, but God took his life and he had nothing. But he consulted what he believed, his finances. And your beliefs will shape the interpretation of your own existence. You see, we look around today, and and, and we're living in a blame world, aren't we? A cancel culture, which all of it, I think, is ludicrous, by the way. It is not helpful for society at all. People need to be able to dialogue with differences and love one another. They have to. If someone says something that you don't like, that's okay. Because if you think the whole world and everyone in this room is going to agree with you, You need to find another planet that will accommodate. That's all I'm saying. We have to. And the kingdom of God, the church, have to be an example of this. We cannot do cancel culture. We can't buy in to the issues of our day that are trying to keep every personality, every different opinion quiet. There needs to be differences of opinion. If someone didn't agree with me today, that's good. I love the fact that people don't see it the same. That's fine. You'll be in judgment by God, but that was a joke. That was a joke. You won't really. But that's the thing. You see, you, think about it this way. If you believe that God planned you, you will live differently than if you believe that you were birthed and came from a monkey. You just will. That's the basic premise that I'm coming from. You know, if you believe that you were born in this random big bang, this cosmic explosion, you have then no sense of a higher authority. So you are your highest authority. I wouldn't like to be my highest authority right now. I I stand up here because I stand in the authority of another. I, I don't want my authority. It's not good enough. It's weak. It's frail. It's fragile. It's vulnerable. You you don't feel like you're accountable to anybody if if there's no higher authority. You have no moral or ethical code. It's just all about you. So what you believe shapes your own existence. But think about this. If you believe that you're born of God and you are part of his eternal plan, he birthed you, he planned you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, then you will do everything differently in your life. You will make different choices. You will make different uh, life decisions. And, and when I say different, better. Yeah. Better. Things that will be productive for your life. You know, when you believe that you're known and seen and loved by Almighty God, things change. You know, I, I really want to say this. It's in my notes, and I want to say it. I, I want to speak clearly to all of you in spite of the birthing canal that you came out of, God planned you. God planned you. And if you believe that you were an accident, if you believe that you shouldn't have happened, if you believe that you were birthed into the wrong family, I want you to understand that that was just the birthing canal that God brought you into this earth for because he's got plans for your life. But you've got to choose how you believe. The second thing is how we believe drives our behaviors. You know, in Proverbs 24, 3, it says this, and very well known, guard your heart above what? All else, for it determines the course of your life. I don't know if you realize that your heart isn't just a muscle. Did you realize that your heart is actually intelligent? Your heart is an intelligent Pump—it's a muscle that communicates with your mind. As that thinks, your heart thinks. Your heart actually thinks—it's a sensory organ. It's a processing center. Your heart. So you, when you think it's just beating and keeping you together, keeping you alive, it's doing far more than that. It's having a conversation with your brain. It's working things out. And you know what your heart does? It helps you to learn, and remember, and make decisions. You know those times when you say to yourself, um, you know, my heart wants to, but my head. That is that. You know, your heart is wanting something and your, your head is saying something else. And so our behavior is a result of what we learn, what we remember, and what we experience. We're all a product of those things. And we, we, we can't essentially ex, uh, run from them. We can't escape them. We have to acknowledge that we've all got a past and that past has shaped our thinking and shaped our, our heart in how we react, how we think, how we feel, the direction of our life, the choices that we make. Our heart has been thinking these through and we're being shaped by everything in our experience. You see, your belief today is driving your behavior and I don't think some of you know that. You're thinking your family or your spouse is driving that behavior. But I want you to understand, imagine this, you're, uh, say, uh, me and my husband, we honestly, we don't row, but we have really clear conversations. Yeah. you know? We, we, we said right at the get-go that we're not going to do that. My, my parents rowed where it frightened me as a child. There was no violence, but it frightened me. So from the get-go, this was not going to happen in my marriage. My husband's parents, they were both passive-aggressive. So they were quiet, but they did nasty things and said nasty things quietly and calmly. We said we're not doing that either in our world. We're not bringing that from our past into who we are. So we have these strong conversations. Now I'm aware that I might respond as what I've experienced. So I make sure if I start wanting to get louder, I actually stop myself Because I want to change my behavior, but by changing my behavior, I change my belief on it. And I'll say this openly to Si, my husband, just hang on a minute, I'm getting really irritated now. Can we come back to this? Because I choose not to regurgitate the past which wasn't helpful for anybody, nor beast, nor man. And we've got to make decisions on our life that we're not going to repeat what was, but we're going to become what is. And the only way to do that is to believe what is right. You know, I'm just going to throw some things out, but how does someone become an addict? And I'm not being funny now. Often it's by what they believed. They either believed that they wouldn't, They believed it would numb pain, or they believed it would just be fun. You know, I've never been an addict. I've never took drugs. I've never smoked. I've always been quite a health freak. But if someone ever offered me drugs... I actually believed they would damage me because I had a lot of friends who died of overdoses. So I had a belief from experience. So my experience was, I don't want drugs. Even when I was in crowds with people before I was a Christian being offered drugs of all kinds, I would be strong in a sense because I've seen what it does. And no one's going to fool me that drugs are good. Why could I make that decision with such authority and confidence in a large group of others that were doing it? Because of what I believed, what I'd seen, what I'd experienced. I mean, how do people have an unplanned pregnancy? Well, often they believed it never happened to them. Or, let me be frank, they believed and let the wrong brain do the deciding. How does someone who's happy suddenly become bitter or angry? Does that happen overnight? Well, no, it it happens because they begin to believe a thought, a thought that is crucial for their journey. They believe that it's okay. They believe it's righteous to actually be angry towards somebody. It starts with a belief. You know, the Bible says a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So whatever you believe will determine the whole of your life. You know, every new Christian in this room, what you believe right now will matter. It will determine how successful you are as a Christ follower. And I use that word successful because there's some who aren't. And that's what I'm talking about here. Hokey cokey Christianity in, out, in, out, shake it all about. If you want to be an I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in, Jesus, you can have my life. It will start with your thoughts. Before I knew uh, Jesus, I kind of, uh, I was intrigued by God. Like, I didn't know you could have a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I didn't know. I was raised in a family who kind of nominally believed. My dad now, he's nearly 93, doesn't believe at all. Doesn't believe, and he's, he's going to be 93 in July. And uh, still so resistant and stubborn. Stubborn old man. And we talk to him, he has dementia, and uh, he's quite poor at the minute, and uh, I know this, I can talk to him about Jesus, and then five min- minutes later, he won't even remember. He, he, he speaks badly about the church from his experience, actually, in the 1930s, which you can't make comment on that, because I weren't there. Yeah, I'm, I'm younger than you thought, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know what you're thinking. But this is the thing, it always intrigued me by anyone who said they knew God. Like, it's a massive statement. I know Jesus personally. It's like, so it turned my head for this reason that, like, if you claim to know God, if you know the Son of God personally, then there's got to be something about your life that is utterly different than mine. The problem was with some people, I'd look at their life and they were in, out, in, out, shaking it all about. And let me tell you this, they were shaking their life about in loads of areas that were nothing to do with God. And so as a non-Christian raised in a household who didn't believe, it was quite a dilemma for me because it was the ones that were in, out, in, out that actually the ones that grabbed my attention. They're the ones that I looked to and thought, that is what God's like. And as a non-Christian, thought, well, I don't need God because I think I'm happier than them. At least I've chosen my camp. I'm in the world, but I'm not in the church and then in the world and in the church and then the world. But this is what I thought, you know, if that's, if, if they're in, out, in, out, shaking it all about... That's what it's all about, the end of the song says. And I used to think, but this is God you're talking about. And surely this isn't what it's all about. And then this is the thing. When I experienced Jesus Christ, he came into my life nearly 30 years ago. I realized, no, that's not what it's all about. You know, the kingdom of God is about power. It's about a healing It's about sight. It's about revelation. It's about power within your life personally to overcome every single obstacle you face right now. And I don't know what obstacles you're facing. I don't need to know. Your pastors essentially don't need to know. They like to know because they want to help you. But if God knows, I will tell you now, if you make sure you're on the in crowd, giving your whole life to Jesus, he will empower you to go through whatever you're facing. Every time. I'm a witness of that. You know, it's like, what what you were... What you believe about God right now will actually direct and influence every part of your life. What you don't believe about him today will direct every part of your life. You know, imagine this. If you believe God has a plan and purpose for your life, everything changes. You will live with meaning and hope and purpose d- despite your present circumstances, You'll live with meaning and hope and expectation. But that's because you believe fundamentally God has a plan and purpose for your life. You know, if you believe that God wants to speak to you, you say, I, I actually believe God wants to speak to me uh, all the time. I mean, and, and I, I'm a firm believer that God wants to speak to you all the time. In fact, I'd hazard a guess that he is speaking to us all the time, not wants to. You, sat in your seat, those new birth in the room is sat wanting to speak to you, talking to you. The, the problem is we're not quiet enough to hear what he's saying half the time. I mean, it's a busy world, right? I mean, I'm not pointing the finger at you. If I point the finger at you, I'm pointing three back at me. We're all living in busy seasons and busy lives. But God, if you believe God wants to talk to you all the time, then what will you believe as soon as you open your eyes in the morning? Oh, you have been ready. God might want to speak to me right now. Or God is speaking to me right now. I don't want to be wide open. You see, there's not certain people in the church who have some kind of status or authority or they've got family in the church. There's no special people with God. Every child is special and he's longing to communicate with you and you communicate back to him. You know, if you believe that the Holy Spirit lives in you, You will walk with an awareness of his presence. If you believe that God loves people, which we should, and the Bible tells us to, and it tells us to, and it says that God does. When you believe that God loves everybody, regardless of their lifestyle, or their background, or their thoughts, or their beliefs, you will respect them. Yeah, it went quiet. I thought that I thought that might happen in the house. You, you will help them. You will honor them. You know, we have this saying in our church, honored people honor people. You see, I am honored by God. I am a child of God. I am worthy of God. And he honors me. Why? I have no idea. Nothing of me, but it's all about the character of God. He honors me, and because I'm honored, I honor others, not because they're worthy, because I wasn't worthy, but I honor other people. I'll honor their opinion. I'll honor their lifestyle to whatever degree that is. If they say they know Jesus, I will come in like a flood and say, So, what's this? In our, in our hokey Christianity going on about. I will say that. Because I think actually we need more people in the house of God who will say, you know, this ain't good. This ain't good. We need to be involved. But the third and final thing is this that our beliefs determine our expectations. And I want to leave this with you, church, because you need to expect more. You know this building's too small for you, don't you? You know this building's too small for you, don't you? Yes. I'm going to do it again. You know this building is too small for you, don't you? Yes. Do you think that was loud enough or shall I push it a bit more? <laughs> you know, one of the things of, of local church with the buildings is we begin to love the building. And uh, it, I, I, I'm, go- I'm just going to wind you up. Is that all right? Just poke a bit. Because I know about this, because we've, you know, we've knocked down our old building that people were married in, baptized in, dedicated in. I mean, their whole life were in it. Their whole life story is in that building. And then when you knock it down, you really realize who loved the building more than God. Because, you know, God's got big plans. He's got a vision for this house that is beyond these walls. And he wants to build a bigger premises for you. And so you you all need to be ready for that. So your expectations really matter, faith. So for those who are not aware, I was raised in uh, you know by the accent. I'm a Lancashire lass. I've been in Wales 25 years, and I'll give my age away slightly. Uh, so that means I've lived half my life in England and half my life in Wales. And so I consider myself half Welsh. Is that allowed? <laughs> I knew I, you know I knew it would go quiet because unless you're born someone told me this unless you're born and bred in Wales you will never be Welsh good good vibe good vibe i'm just telling you that because if you think that you will limit the growth of this house just saying just drop that there leave it with you have a think about that if you didn't like it I'm going to cancel you anyway, so... <laughs> but for those that don't know, I was raised in a, on a council estate in, in Bolton, in Greater Manchester, Lancashire. And uh, my parents were really poor. So I was raised in a, a poor house. And we were joking about this the other day because... Our house, even though we were poor, it was spotless. Mum had like this pride to always keep everything spotless. The kids, we were always dressed clean. Um, Our clothes weren't great, but we were spotless because she did what she could do with what she could do. And we we had this sofa, I I was reminiscing yesterday, and it looked brilliant. But every guest that came into the house, we would sit them on this end. Because if they sat on that end and just touched the arm, it dropped off. And so we would prop it up and put it back so it looked nice. And someone would come in the house and uh, I, as a child, I'd say, I sit down. And my mum would go, no, not that end. (laughs) Not that end. This end and so as a kid i'd say this is why she's saying that and i'd drop it down that's why that's why we're doing that my mum was so embarrassed and so my mum uh, she raised us and she worked a part-time job in the laundrette and my dad had three jobs and that was just to keep us afloat so my dad would start work about 4 a.m. in the morning He'd go to one job, then he'd go to another job, and then another job, and he'd get back about 6 p.m. So that was my dad's life, and he enjoyed the social aspect of his life in the local pub. So that was my life. And uh, one of the things that we were raised in a working-class household is this. It was this language of our kind, don't do that. So even though we were very much loved very much cared for. We had this mentality that our kind never became anything. And so one of the things that was interesting, I, I was really naturally good at sport. I uh, always liked sport. And so when in the school runs, I would, I would be great at every sport and come first in most sports. Now I'm not boasting, I'm giving you context. So if it was the the uh, race on the track, I came first. If it was the high jump, I came first. Whatever it was, I came first, naturally and effortlessly. And for everyone else, seeing me getting the medals, uh, they would look at my life as a young person before I was a Christ follower and say, she's winning at life, because in that respect, I was. But you know what? Inside, I didn't feel I was winning at all, because I was raised in a home where the vibe in that household, as lovely as it was, we had a language, our kind don't do that. We will never make it. We just stay small and humble. There was a pride in our poverty, A pride in our nothingness. And I want to speak into that spirit of poverty in the house. That where you say, "I, I can never be used by God. And your expectations are really low because you say, where I've come from, my kind, will never accomplish much. Well, actually you will. But you've got to change your expectations. You've got to change your beliefs. You've got to put your faith in Jesus and not ask the question, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Just say, I believe. I'm going to go from this place. You see, there's a culture in every household. Every household you're coming from, there's a culture. And this is the thing. If you think our kind don't do this, our kind can't do this, then that will be true for you. That will be your truth. You know, I, when I encountered Jesus, I uh, born again of the Spirit, born again of the Spirit, and I have to say, everything changed. And in that moment, I found myself in church, and um, you know, I was the kid at the, in the class that hid at the back and liked to mess about. And uh, if you got me up front, I, I, I'd rather take a sick day if I knew the teacher was going to get me up front. And then suddenly, I'm sat in church, filled with the Spirit, knowing Jesus personally feeling the buzz and thrill of destiny and having this passion to build the kingdom of God, to want to preach from a pulpit like this. And my old self, who never, my kind never do this, was saying, you've got to be kidding. And then my new self was saying, well, it seems where God's driving me and this is where I'm going. And you will have this conversation with your old self and your new self. I'm just going to say, your new self has to win. Your new self. Your new creation has to win. I was sitting in church sensing the call of God and a passion for the house. And, and I used to say to Jesus, if you can, Jesus, with my kind. No one would have known that on the surface. Because I just were full of, of love and laughter. No one would have known that. But inside I was questioning what God could do through me. Band, you can come up, please. You know, there's, there's a scripture that says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's something that psychologists talk about, the law of exposure, the law of exposure. And it says this, whatever you are exposed to the most, that's how you will believe, that's how you, you'll be shaped. Whatever you absorb, you will reflect. And I want to ask you, what are you absorbing right now? now that you are reflecting in your life and it's not working for you i was thinking and it's interesting the the scripture that we heard earlier in the worship that's my finisher by the way when you said it, i thought god is so good because this is the thing you might be thinking to yourself d you don't know my life You don't understand what I've been through or I've been exposed to or shaped by. You don't get that. And I don't need to. Nobody actually needs to. But when you look at this scripture in Mark 5, 28, there's this woman who's been hemorrhaging, losing blood for 12 years. 12 years. The doctors have looked at her. They can't do anything with her. Everyone's given up hope on her. And then suddenly, she has a thought. It's just a thought. If I could just reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, not any old prophet's garment, Jesus' garment, maybe then I'll be healed. And I want you to just stop and just think about that comment. If I just reach out... Maybe I'll be healed. The turning point of her life was that she thought to herself, but unlike the man at the beginning, he consulted himself and his riches. She consulted the power of Jesus before she even knew it. She thought to herself, maybe I'll be healed. Now, talk about the law of exposure. What you expose yourself of, you absorb and you reflect. Think about this, 12 years. She absorbed rejection in society isolation she was seen as dirty and unclean we don't know how it played out in our family if she had a family at all but her pain what she'd been exposed to all of her life could have dictated her beliefs in this moment and you might say you know i've had 12 years of struggle i've been exposed to 12 years of pain and and it's going to take 12 years to change it but not what the bible says the bible says in that moment she thought to herself not about her pain but about what could jesus do What can he do? She consulted what people were saying about Jesus and then decided in that moment not to reflect her pain, but believe that Jesus could. And you know, even if he didn't, at least she believed. So she went up and touched the hem of his garment. You know, I just want to be, is it all right to be frank with you? You know, I think it comes easier when you know I love you and care for you, care for your, I love your pastor and Lyra. Um, So it comes easy. But can I just be frank to you? When I was writing this, this moment came to me that you've got to get out of the dance. You're praying for more power. You're praying for more healing. You're praying for more confidence to witness. And you're asking God for all these things. But he's saying to you, step out of the dance. It's the dance that he can't come into. Stop being in, out, in, out out shaking your life all about with every different circle of groups you're with and associations exposing yourself to a group of christians over here who love getting drunk on saturday night but in the church on sunday morning speaking negatively about their boss and co-workers through the week being in the mix of the gossip in their office and then on sunday morning we love jesus don't we you want change? You want power? Get out of the dance. Step out of the dance and decide. Because God is building his kingdom. He's building his church. But you've got to choose to step out of the dance. When I was first born again, I was fully immersed in the world and everything it offered. Pretty much Everything. And one of the things that hit me is when I came into church, I, I just met Jesus and he changed me completely. And I, I had a crowd of people at the time that got around me, supporting me. And this was just in a, a church in the north. But they were hokey-cokey Christians, but they didn't realize I'd been born again by the power of God And they were in, out, in, out, in, out, shaking it all about. And I had to separate myself from them. And it was hard. That meant that I had to go it alone. But I had to separate myself from them. And this is the thing. You may have to separate yourself from some people to have the power and the ability that God has called you to. The children are coming in. So let's stand to our feet and open our arms wide to Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit has been putting his finger upon some of you, if not all of us, for some reason in our life. And just raise your hands towards heaven. If you just want to touch from God, raise your hands towards heaven and just say, God, I want to be all in. I want to be all in. I want to be part of a movement of God that would change our land. We don't want to be in, out, in, out, shaking all about, doing nothing. God, we want to be powerful people in your hands. We want to be your ambassadors. We know we're your children, but we want to be warriors in God. And so, Father, I just ask that you bless this church, bless everything doubly of everything that you're doing right now, how you're maturing it, how you're giving it holy boldness. Lord, and I just pray that you'll give everyone in this room just a sense of urgency in their bones to be able to to grab hold of what this day holds. Father, you you say in your word it was the sons of Issachar that knew the times. I ask that this church will become even more of a prophetic church who know the times that they're living in, who know the people that they're living with and that they can speak prophetically with edge and unction because the fire of God is upon them. And Father, this will be known as a church that changes the whole of the South Wales because they are all in. They're not in, out. They're not in this Sunday and the next Sunday too tired. They're not worshipping one day and can't be bothered the next. They're not in the word today, but tomorrow when things are tough, they can't be bothered. God, that they are all in, all in. And so, Father, just bless the pastors and those that carry the weight of responsibility in this house. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Just take a minute more. Just a minute more. Just to reflect. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yes, Lord. We respond this morning. Individually, corporately If there's lukewarmness Father this morning we want to make a decision To choose to believe Thank you Lord, thank you Lord saying there is more There is more, there is more, there is more, there is more, there is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. Come, Lord, in this moment of time, just, just seal all that you've been speaking to us this morning. Bring a revelation afresh. Kera baba Revelation afresh. Kora Babaste. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Whether we're new in the in the Lord or been there for years, I believe this call is coming afresh today. Call is coming afresh. Who will go for me? Who can I send? Oh God, we don't want to just play, enjoy the little bit. We want to dive in to all that you have, Father. The harvest is ready. And you're calling for laborers in this season. We who know you. There is more the Lord is saying. That we would be busy about our father's business. More than ever before. Yeah. And Lord you will take care of everything else. As we give of ourselves to you Lord you said with the measure we give that's the measure that you will pull back I pray a revelation of that this morning a revelation what is the measure that we are giving of ourselves unto you what is that measure is it a measured measure <laughs> or is it a unconditional in fact we've got to measure the measure Don't go into battle without... Because God loves a cheerful giver. Can I increase my measure? Can I increase that considered measure? That I want to give more of myself. I want to give all of myself to you, Lord. I've considered that measure and I want to give all. Not just a little bit. Not just when it suits me. Not just when my schedules allow for it. But Lord, I want to give all. Because the measure that I give, that's the measure. You'll pour out into my bosom. We know that measure is not just for ourselves. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Because out of the abundance then we begin to touch lives, hearts. What do we believe today? What are we choosing to believe? Or don't give him too much. It's going to cost me this much if I give him so much. Father, today help us to enlarge our capacity to believe that you can will only outgive us. Take away the fear this morning, the fear of giving of ourselves to you, that we would be able to outgive ourselves. Knowing that you will outgive what we give you. Just for just a moment, just letting the Holy Spirit minister to us. Listen, I've been through that journey as Denise was speaking, myself, same story. And the Lord brings us to a point where we make that decision. More of you, Lord. More of you. I'm not a church attender, I'm a kingdom citizen an idol for me I went to church on Sunday kingdom citizen God's not interested in church goers nor is the pastor just to give you a bit of (laughs) revelation God's in kingdom citizens kingdom citizens so we're going to close with that worships a song this morning but perhaps as we sing that song in your own hearts the Lord is saying take that step of faith today and say yes Lord whatever you want more amen